Hi there, welcome to Typical Books. I'm Lydia Peaver, and this is the podcast mirror of my YouTube show, Typical Books, where we talk about horror fiction. So, on with the show. Hi there, today on Typical Books, we're going to be talking about For Rye by Gavin Gardner. It is a typical book, and highly typical lately, because we've been talking a lot about people taking their own lives. And this book is no exception. And the hint, the biggest hint, is, of course, the noose on the front cover. Some Truths Are Best Left Buried for Rye by Gavin Gardner. And uh, it's not about the alcoholic drink rye. It's about Quentin C. Rye, an author, and Renata, who is a fellow author as well. Now, Renata Wakefield is not a happy individual. The story begins with her clutching this noose in her purse on her way somewhere. And I'll have to say that first chapter just really set the stage and really let you know what you're in for if the front cover doesn't necessarily. Now I have to say huge thanks to Kevin Gardner for sending this book along. You may recall I did an unboxing because it was sent in such delicious packaging. Well, not delicious. My dog thought it was delicious. He kept licking it. It was covered in bloody handprints, like tempera paint or something. And it was just such a wonderful package with twine and a handwritten note on some aged or antiqued paper and or antique paper, who knows? And it was really impeccably packaged. So a uh, high, huge points for presentation. The binding and stuff of this book is, is very well done. It has this texture that is behind this noose that does wrap around the back. The typography and everything is really set well and the book has a good heavy feel to it. This comes out from Burton Myers which is what I understand a, a sort of hybrid print-on-demand. Not like Kindle but it's more author-centric and focused, more author-directed. I don't think it's a vanity press necessarily but they do have some promotion packages. So aside from Gavin Gardner's own creativity and his marketplace know-how, the publisher could have lent a hand there. But either way, the marketing was really effective because I saw this book literally everywhere and I'm sure you have too, and now you see it here. Renata Wakefield, a traumatized novelist on the brink of suicide, is drawn back to her childhood hometown following her mother's ritualistic murder. Before long, she becomes ensnared in the mysteries of Millbury Peak as one question lies heavy, who killed Sylvia Wakefield? As the answer draws nearer, as madness continues to envelop the quaint country town, Renata will come to realize that the key to all this insanity lies with one man, the world's leading writer in horror fiction. His name is Quentin C. Rye, and he will guide her to the revelation that true madness lies within. Now, before I had begun reading this book, perhaps a day or two before I began reading this book, uh, Gavin Gardner was doing a reading, impromptu reading, on Instagram on his stories. So I got to hear a choice chapter. And I noticed right there that there is violence towards animals in this book as well. So if one or the other animals being involved or the noose on the cover doesn't strike your fancy, then I'd steer clear because it is a constant theme. And I really liked that. And in, in that, it really does have a link to my one biggest criticism that I'll get to in a bit. Following Renata from where she lives on this uh, haggish island, 
and she is known as sort of like a hermity crone of writers. She writes romance fiction and pulpy romance fiction at that, but she's made a name for herself. Yet her agent has come knocking because she's not producing. And she's unbelievably depressed. She has had a very hard life that she only hints at, but that unfurls throughout the story. And we understand how adamant she is and how this right to die is her choice and the only choice she seems to be able to make. And she feels ripped off in a way that she has to travel to help investigate not only her mother's murder, a horrific murder, but to take care of her father, who she hates. Once there, this horror author, who she is very well aware of, he's a very big horror author, King Kuntz level, Sutter Kane level, and he is in this town to film a movie about this quaint little seaside town and this murder and her family. And if that's not unsettling enough, she has stuffed the noose she intended to use probably days before in her purse and is not talking to it, but she's thinking about that noose that she has in her purse. Now, on one hand, I'm thinking like, it couldn't have been like that long. She must have a big purse, like a big hobo purse. That's what I'm picturing. But yeah, so she's constantly thinking about like, this is my escape. I only have to endure this conversation, this day, this hour, this meeting, and then I can return to what I was doing. I think it's similar to if you're, you know, not to dumb it down too much, but if you're watching a series or playing a video game and you kind of want to like get this over with so I can get back to what I was doing, that rings true. And I think that those sort of motivations we can find in our normal day can be used in fiction or can be drawn upon when we're reading fiction so that that sort of desire is translated to something so much more macabre. We do get to see a bit of the town, the descriptions of Renata's childhood home, which is falling apart. And it reminds me a little bit of some sort of Shirley Jackson thing where describing a dilapidated mansion or not quite a mansion, but a very nice home, an old Victorian that has fallen apart or into disrepair over the past couple years because her father is not well and he's blind. There's one of the things in the very beginning she has picked up a paperback book for her father and we find out shortly thereafter what his medical condition is and it just shows how much of a disconnect there is in this family that she didn't even know that a paperback of hers is a bad choice for her father. Many, many chapters later, we get to know for ourselves what a deeply bad choice that would have been considering their Rocky relationship. And Rocky is putting it lightly. It is very abusive, very horrible. He is painted to be a very horrible man. Yet there are things within the past that even Ren isn't aware of because she has suffered massive memory loss and huge disassociation and not quite hallucinations, but a dream state that tends to inform her of her past that she relies upon as memory. And it is a dream, it's nightmares. It's a recurring nightmare that she's having that she believes that's the way things happened, however disjointed. And it really fills in no blanks. She had spent some time in an asylum, which I find very intriguing and the way that people sort of dance around that and hint at that. Her brother is no use throughout this. Of course, she's sort of hunting for him to come and help with her father and no one will give her a straight answer about where he is. So that leading up into the middle of the book is such a stage set for Ren. And I keep calling her Ren because it's easier to say than Renata, but Ren is a unreliable narrator. 
beyond anything. Not only because she begins our journey distracted and focused on her own demise, and you know that she's not taking any of this seriously, and she doesn't want to even be there. That is one shade of an unreliable narrator because their focus is elsewhere. But then we come to know that she may be mad. You can't equate madness with the predilection for suicide. Those are really separate things entirely. But those things together make for this explosive character. And on the other hand, she is fixated on her hair being in place. She is very well spoken. She was a very successful author. She has done well for herself despite where she came from. So uh, despite all of these things that make her dangerous and volatile, she's strong and kind of cool. I like her. She's kind of like a, she's a little prim and proper. She's a bit of a biddy, but I like that a lot. Enter Quentin C. Rye, who is American. And you get that without having too much jargon and the words aren't written in a way that you're going to try and read them with a specific accent or anything, but you can tell from the brash nature and the word choice of the characters that the Americans, the two that we deal with, are so very American and it's very apparent just in the way their attitude comes across on the page and I think that's really helpful. Not that anyone really should or does rely on jargon or local dialect or writing dialect phonetically is a crutch. It's really helpful a lot of the times and can be you know, in the case of Irving Welsh, like something that we look forward to as readers or can make it unintelligible, depending. But here it's not needed because the characters are so well crafted and live in their clothes. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Quentin C. Rye is a horror author. And it turns out that Renata had read one of his breakout novels, Horror Highway, ages ago. And so they have not necessarily a relationship. He's very aware of her being very big in the romance quarter and she is very aware of him. And maybe it helped inspire her own career to a certain extent when she was little. Come to the middle of the book, everything changes. There is a huge pivot in plot. And I love this and I cannot give even an inch of this away because I found it really delicious and I really like this. I like books about authors so I'm a little biased in that I just enjoy that aspect of this so thoroughly that you know that and a super depressive character working out the knots in their own head and quantifying their depression and explaining a lot of why this won't go away. So I had a huge affinity for all characters involved. Even the sort of like sexy Quentin C. Rye, who she, Renata, even though she seems to be quite asexual, does take a shine to this person. Not only is she asexual, she's super antisocial and in huge anxiety around people. She's very touch averse. And I can relate to a lot of what she goes through in public settings. Her father is a monster. There is a priest in town that used to take care of the the parish there and the church has since moved so there is a church that's abandoned across the road that Renata actually used to go and hang out in even while it was abandoned because it was abandoned a long time ago everyone sort of patronizes the new church but this old church adds a whole other level of great atmosphere so I just love this like dilapidated almost urban exploration scenes within this book it's just delicious that way. My only two criticisms, because you knew they were coming, one is a little larger in that we're in the midst of a huge right to death choice movement in the past like 15 years. And I've always been a huge proponent of those 
who are able-bodied and able of mind to be able to make that sort of decision. And although she is not in a medical situation where her quality of life would be suffering, mentally she definitely is. And that is the decision that she had made. And it's something that she wanted from the get-go. So we get to a point of interest and closure to a, in a certain point of the book, but yet there's a whole other ending. And not that it's a bad ending, but my mind had come to this stop point and then had to carry on. I hear complaints of the Lord of the Rings movies where it feels like there's several endings and that's what it felt like. And in a way, I wish I could have just stopped in that one ending in a way, no matter how fun and brutal the rest of the ending is. But there was a point where I felt the book could have come to a close. One duality here with a lot of what I've been reading and watching, I've watched the series Dark. It was a recommendation from Merce or Regina or Alex. We were talking one day and one of them had suggested watching Dark and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I just finished watching it, but there is that same theme of hanging throughout that and this. And it was just an interesting confluence. I'm always interested in those like uncanny coincidences between what I'm watching and reading. The other one is really small. There's a lot of use of italics. I had mentioned that there's a nightmare, recurring nightmare, and all of these, not hallucinations, but daydreams almost that Renata goes through. And a lot of those are in italics and a lot of her memories are in italics. And there's a lot of them. And I've used it in my own writing for sure. A lot of us have read italics. I don't know if it's a typographical thing with me where I had worked in pagination for a number of years. And instead of italicize, as a button you push in your word processor, we would apply a slant of 10% to the normal text. So you wouldn't click that italics button. And we found it looked better. I found it looked better, it was more legible. I don't know exactly why we did it that way. I think it was something to do with the PDF creation, but the italics is too slanty in this particular font. And in this day and age, we can choose different fonts. So it would have been maybe uh, an interesting thing to see if this could have been printed with a different font or something, or a different line spacing for her memories or something. Italics are just, when there's a lot of them, it's really tedious. And I had a hard time slogging through some of those only because of the italics. The content was still in the voice. I appreciated the character that I liked the most was talking, but italics. I noticed today that Four Eye is on sale. I don't know how long the sale will last, but it's 50% off right now. And I really enjoyed it. So I do recommend this, especially if you like those tropes of uh, derelict abandoned houses, people coming home to their hometown and not liking it, everything's changed and they just want to leave. If you get that sort of feeling and, and really enjoy reading about characters like that, or just like to see that darker mirror image of your own nice and friendly hometown. And of course, reading about writers. I love reading about writers. I love reading about horror writers. And this one does a really good job. Although he is super hip, he's sort of like the Elon Musk, Sutter, Kane, Stephen King combination, where he's just jet setting in to film this with his huge film crew and sort of tramping all across the countryside and crushing skulls on his way with no regard for Renata, who has high regard for him. So it's a really cool push and pull. And the story unfolds from there. I will say it gets darker 
it gets darker and it gets devious and somewhere in the last like fifth of the book I felt like I was reading an Aaron Dry's novel it's not necessarily splatter or extreme but there is some very cruel cruelty going on in here and one person suffering terribly at the hands of another it's fantastic although that is part of the ending that felt like it was after the ending so it's not like I didn't like that second not second ending because it is all one cohesive story with lots of closures just me being the uh, pessimist that I am really enjoyed it closing on a super downer it closes on a downer but I mean there was a super downer I believe that that is the end of all the suicide maybe because I'm gonna read um, Odin Rising and I'm going to be reading corpse paint some splatter black metal books so I don't know if that theme will persist going forward but I'm also reading Snow by Ronald Malfi and really enjoying that so that's sort of a return to some normal paperback horror so then I'm gonna pick up some Richard Lehman to carry on that trend a little tiny bit well so I've recently interviewed Con Lavery so that'll be on the podcast in the next couple weeks with more interviews to come probably on a monthly basis we'll see so yeah if there's anything you think I ought to be reading out there or if you've read for a ride let me know what you think below and have a nooky spooky day If you are looking for something new to read, some insight or reviews of horror you have read, or even talk from a writer's perspective, I hope you enjoy this little show. Feel free to check out the YouTube version by searching Typical Books, or visit me at LydiaPeaver.ca. Thank you, and have a dark, devious day.